Private Lender Podcast, Episode 7. I feel much more confident investing my IRA in secured promissory notes that I understand that make me above average return versus just investing in, you know, some mutual fund that I don't understand anything about. This is the Private Lender Podcast, the show that shares practical advice and know-how for new and seasoned lenders, from private mortgages on single-family houses to joint ventures on commercial projects and beyond. Discover details about investment vehicles that you won't find at your local bank or online broker. Listen and learn from private lenders and real estate investors, as well as from professionals and entrepreneurs, as they share the details, strategies, and the insight that allows for successful and prosperous lending. Now, get ready to increase your ROI. Here's your host, Keith Baker. Welcome, Lender Nation, to Episode 7 of the Private Lender Podcast. I'm your host, Keith Baker, and thank you for joining me today. On this episode, I have the honor of sharing an interview with you that I conducted with Nate Hare, Executive Vice President of Quest IRA, which is a self-directed IRA administrator, who happens to be my self-directed IRA administrator. And if you listen to the end of this episode, Nate has a very special offer for you, the listener, but it's only good until the end of February 2018. So... I want to go ahead and jump to the interview with Nate Hare of Quest IRA. With us today is Executive Vice President of Quest IRA, Nate Hare. Nate is a former real estate investor, hands-on real estate investor, and now spends his time helping people self-direct their IRA investments and notes in real estate investing and private lending is a big part of that. Uh, so, Nate, welcome to the show. Thank you for spending your time with us today, and um, love to hear a little bit about your background and how you got to where yeah. you are at Quest. Well, thank you, I, and I appreciate you having us. Um, you know, it's always a great opportunity for us to uh, talk about what we do to the masses and, and talk about our experience and how we help uh, people use their IRAs to invest in alternative things. It's not pretty uh, well known out there. And I'll talk about my background. I have a similar background to uh, a lot of what our client's background is, is I kind of started in uh, corporate America, um, right out of college. I had an interest in real estate and I was always kind of a numbers guy. So I always uh, liked the numbers uh, of real estate. Um, but lo and behold, I started buying real estate at the same time. So back right out of college, I started in the mortgage industry, um, loved it. I started learning about, you know, buying real estate and, and the market was hot back then. Uh, started, had 17 rental properties at one time. I, I liked the money. I didn't like all the work that came with it. <laughs> and, and, and when I say work, I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I was spoiled. I had a great property manager too. I didn't necessarily swing the hammers or do any of that, but it still felt like work to deal with the, uh, you know, the property manager and we got to buy this and we got to buy that. And, you know, I'm getting mail and emails and it just felt like work. It felt like I was a landlord. Um, so it wasn't, wasn't so was passive, kinda, was it? <laughs> it wasn't passive. Yeah. I mean, and I had a great property manager I, and, and I, I, I was blessed, but I, I was thinking, man, if you, if I had to do this myself or if I had a, you know, a, an average property manager, this would be, this would be painful. So that was kind of my, my beginning into understanding real estate. Um, still have always been in fields, you know, that are real estate based. And it wasn't until about six years ago that I was approached by an employee, uh, that worked at Quest and I had no idea what Quest was. Um, I had no idea what the product was, which was a self-directed IRA, had no idea why they were recruiting me in, in real estate to come work for this retirement company. Well, you know, I, I, I gave it a shot and I heard a lot of great things about Quest and, uh, six years later, now I'm the executive vice president at Quest. <laughs> kind of crazy, um, but I I think that the thing that I like about 
quest and, and, the, and the education that we provide is, is I just became passionate about it because A, I learned that you can invest in real estate and all sorts of things in a, in a retirement account. And nobody ever told me about that. Nobody in the industry ever told me you can use IRAs and tax advantage accounts to you know, buy real estate or buy notes secured by real estate. And then when I got here, I you know, started mentoring with the, you know, the great Quincy Long and Nathan Long, our president and CEO, and quickly found out that there is a much easier and better way, at least for me, to make money in real estate by not owning any real estate at all by just owning notes secured by real estate and finding out if you use your IRA to do it, all that profit can potentially be tax free. And I thought, Oh my God, why does not everybody know about this? So I just became passionate about it. I love teaching about it. I love talking about it. And, and here I am. Great. Yeah. You mean your stockbroker didn't tell you that you could invest in real estate in an IRA? No, no. The funny thing is I had a, I had a wealth advisor. I will just put that in quotation marks, a wealth advisor that I remember just told me to set up a SEP IRA because I get these big tax deductions and I did it and I had no idea what it was. I just knew I was supposed to put money in it and that was it. And I didn't even see the investments. I didn't touch the investments. I didn't pick the investments. And by the time I looked at the statements, it had dropped in value and I didn't know why. And that was my first taste of having a retirement account. So yeah, I didn't get, really get the information uh, that you can do a lot of cooler things with a retirement account than just doing that. So let's 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 get let's get into that because I, I was I was very much the same way. I think uh, I was introduced to Quest in about two thousand nine, maybe ten, and uh, went to the 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 education classes that uh, you guys have every week for free and learned as much as I could. I was still a little shy about it, but man, once I did it, I was like, why didn't I do this years earlier? Uh, you know, so, so that's a little bit of my, uh, how I came to, to quest and yeah, full disclosure, I am a, a client. My wife and I do have a couple, three IRA accounts self-directed with, with quest, but let's uh, kind of walk us through. Um, I don't know if one of the hurdles for me was, does the IRS even allow this? Is this, is this legal? And obviously it is, but I'd like to hear it from the, from you explain how it all kind of works. Yeah, and, that, and that's a common misconception that people have out there. And I think it is due to the fact that most of America's retirement is being held by, you know, the big guys, Fidelity, Charles Schwab, Wells Fargo. You know, that's where most of America's retirement sits. And nothing wrong with that. It's just when you have your retirement sitting with those companies, just understand that they're what those companies do. They sell investments. So that's, that's the nature of their business. They sell stocks, bonds, mutual funds. That's what they make commissions on. So most people who have a retirement account, they just by default think that those are their only options because that's all they're ever shown. That's the only menu they ever see is these traditional investments, stocks, bonds, mutual funds. And they don't really understand it for the most part, but they just feel like those are their only options. You have companies out there that, that do give you other options, which are companies like us, like Quest. Um, where we don't sell investments. That's the only difference. The main difference between us and Fidelity is that we don't sell investments to our clients. So the IRA that you would have at Quest is the same IRA you would have somewhere else. It's just, again, we and Fidelity do two different things. But when you have an IRA at Quest and we don't sell you anything, basically our account agreement says, well, we're not going to sell you anything. You can hold anything in the IRA that the IRS allows. And most people don't realize the IRS doesn't tell us what we're allowed to invest in. They only tell us what we can't invest in. And the list is real short. Two things, just life insurance contracts and collectibles. Those are the only two investment restrictions uh, that are uh, in, uh, restrictions to in your IRA. 
So anything you can own or hold title to can be owned in your IRA. You just have to find a company that's willing to administrate that asset on your behalf. And what Quest does is we administrate all those assets that Fidelity and Charles Schwab don't sell. And a lot of those assets are real estate based. So we'll hold in our client's IRA, uh, you know, rental property, land, uh, investments in the private companies. And our largest holding, coincidentally, is promissory notes secured by real estate. It's almost 40% of our assets. And we have about $1.3 billion in assets now. 40% of those assets are just promissory notes secured by real estate. So, and I guarantee you, not all those people for, uh, uh, in that 40% are technically real estate investors or even know enough about real estate or notes than, than even me and you. A lot of them are just nine to five working people that just found a better opportunity to make above average interest in their retirement by doing it passively and having their money secured by tangible real estate. Nice. You, you just, did I hear you right? That was 1.3 billion B with the B under, under your uh, management or uh, actually not your administration, not management, but administration. Administration. Correct. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Wow. That's, I know I was reading somewhere the, 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 the amount of money in retirement accounts is, you know, well into the trillions, uh, in the, in the U S so, um, but 1.3, that's a, that's a big number. <laughs> that's, that's some big, yeah, big, big for us. But when, like you said, there's $29 trillion in retirement accounts. So you can see, we only have hold a small fraction of that. And if you look at self-directed IRAs altogether, the entire self-directed IRA industry only makes up about two to 3% of all of America's retirement, which is a little bit scary because you think, well, 97, 98% of America's retirement is invested into those traditional investments that nobody really understands. Um, yet we, you can have your IRA and invest in things you're knowledgeable about. And you know, only so few people do it. And I really just think it's just not well known. It's not your stockbroker is never going to tell you about it because that doesn't put money in his back pocket. But the self-directed IRA allows you to invest in things you're comfortable with. And for myself, and I'm sure for yourself, and you know the principles that we have here, we're comfortable with real estate. We understand real estate. We don't necessarily have to own real estate. And we understand uh, private lending. You know, I can come from a lending background. So I feel much more confident, confident investing my IRA in secured promissory notes that I understand that make me above average return versus just investing in you know, some mutual fund that I don't understand anything about. I'm, I'm right there with you. Uh, it's, um, yeah, I, I still keep wall street. I have a, you know, a, a diversity in under diversification and in investments. Uh, but yeah, I'm, we've been on a heck of a run and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, and we can predict the future, but you know, we, I'm trying to get ready for, I think what's inevitable. And I, mm -hmm. you know, personally, I like an asset that's backed, or sorry, an investment that is backed by a hard asset like like real estate. And I think it was, uh, I had Mitch Steven on and he said, you know, if every one of Bernie Madoff's clients had a $100,000 house tied to every $65,000 they had invested with Bernie, none of them would be broke. And True. that's a great way to look at it. So I, I don't I don't shun Wall Street. I just, uh, well, I guess uh, I like the more individualistic and the, the true self-directed nature of what, uh, Quest offers, and obviously you guys have standard IRAs uh, that uh, limited to what fifty five hundred a year to put into it, and but you get the tax deduction up front. You also have the Roth, and what are, what are some of the other vehicles you guys have at Quest? Yeah, we have seven different vehicles at Quest. So the ones you mentioned are the ones that most people are familiar with, which are your traditional IRA and your Roth IRA. 
they're just taxed differently. The traditional, typically, like you said, you put money in, you get a tax deduction, you pay the tax at the end of the road when you take distributions. Uh, we like to talk about the Roth IRA though, because if you're an investor that can take a small amount of money and make it much larger, well, you probably want to think about paying the taxes on the front end, not the back end. So that's where the Roth IRA comes into play. And again, you can self-direct either. Self-direct the traditional, you can self-direct a Roth. Um, and then we also have employer plans. So if you're self-employed, if you, you know, work for yourself, you're an attorney, a CPA, um, we have options for uh, those people, which is a SEP IRA, simple IRA, or even your own individual 401k. Those are great because they allow for larger contributions than the personal plans. And then we have the specialty plans, or we like to say, would you like fries with that, is uh, the health savings account, the HSA, and the ESA, which is the Coverdell Education Savings Account. Both are great because you get to self-direct those plans, but the benefit can, be, can happen immediately, meaning when you make profit to, say, a health savings account, the profit can be immediately distributed to pay for your out-of-pocket health expenses with tax-free dollars. And then the education savings account, you can make profit within one of those accounts and immediately remove those funds tax-free, provided you're paying for qualified education expenses for your kids anywhere from kindergarten through college. So what we do like to teach at Quest is that you want to understand all seven accounts because they all have different tax benefits to them. And the more you can understand about using tax-free money to pay for uh, your retirement needs and your current expenses the less you'll have to reach in your back pocket and use your most expensive bucket of money, which is your hip national money, all your taxable money that, that you make on your earnings. So IRAs are a great way to limit your taxation. And if you're entrepreneurial enough to uh, self-direct it, it can, it can change your life for sure. I see it, see it every day. Yeah. I'm one of those, uh, one of those people. It's, I, I love it. And it's, you know, one of the big reasons that uh, I have this podcast now is I, you know, and I'm a guy who was horrible at math in school. I was never into the finance side of things. But this was fun. I had uh, a day job. I, I couldn't, you know, hustle around and take care of rental properties or manage contractors. But this allowed me to invest in a note and watch my money work, fix up a house and, and an, an investor use it. And we didn't have to worry about banks. We didn't have to worry about any of the kind of the normal headaches uh, that, that go along with, uh, you know, trying to get conventional money, so to speak. And also the networking aspect, the social aspect of just meeting people. And Quest puts on at, at least uh, two events a week, uh, mostly on the, the education's on Tuesdays, but there's always mixers and socials and, and you guys really do a great job, I think, of, of getting people, giving us a, investors an area to come together and to meet and socialize. I'm, I'm curious, uh, out of uh, Quest employees, how many of them, I would assume all of them have some type of an account with you guys, but are they, are they note buyers or what's kind of the breakdown within the quest employees there? Yeah, we, we encourage our employees to, uh, you know, put our education in action. So I would say the large majority of employees do have their own self-directed account. We also do, uh, you know, provide a company 401k that they can participate in. Um, for the most part, the employees that do have accounts, um, the investments that they self-direct are notes, of course. Um, myself, Quincy, you know, all, all of our executives, um, of most of our IRA specialists, if not all of our IRA specialists, have done some sort of uh, self-directed investment in their accounts. Uh, we encourage that so that they can see it. They can see it and feel it. They can go through the steps. You know, they all they know all the rules, but going through it and doing an investment will give you, you know, a different uh, sight to it. And 
for us, because we meet a lot of real estate investors, I think, um, you know, by default, notes is, is probably one of the uh, most common investments that a Quest employee would have. Now, obviously, we can't loan to Quest clients. We have to be very careful on that. But we do meet a lot of other real estate investors out there. Um, and I would say that once they do it and they um, see that mailbox money coming into the account, they, they start to like it a lot more and, and think, man, this is easier than I thought. And it kind of goes back to, you don't really have to be a real estate expert or, um, you know, an expert in the market or anything like that in order to make money in real estate with, through a, a secured promissory note. It's really easy if you do it right. There are some things you want to consider. You know, it's not a, it's, there's no guarantee. But if you are loaning to the right individuals and people that you trust, people with good track records, um, you know, local real estate investors that come through our classes, like yourself, all sorts of people come through here. And, um, you know, if you put your hands in, in trust in them and you see that mailbox coming in, mailbox money coming in, once that note's paid off, usually the next thing someone says is, man, that was cool. When's your next deal? Let's do that again. You know, it, it happens to us. It happens to me. It happens to our, our clients that are first time lenders. Um, but you got to do your due diligence too. I'm not going to say it's, it's easy. Don't, you know, you want to, it's an entrepreneurial type thing. You want to do due diligence. You're picking your, the investment. You're picking the people that you're loaning to. So that's a part of our education is talking about how important it is to do due diligence. And um, our president always says the best thing about a self-directed IRA is you get to pick the investments. The worst thing about a self-directed IRA is you get to pick the investments. So <laughs> you just want to make sure you understand it. Understand it to a degree of making sure that you, you know, do some background on the person you're, you're, you're loaning money to, maybe run some comps on the property. It's not rocket science. You know, once you, once you feel comfortable enough that the investment that you're going to be secured by is a good one, um, then, it's, then it's easy, man. It's just like using your IRA like a bank. And we all know banks make good money and they're in the business to just loan money, not own any property. And they seem to do pretty well with it. Um, so that's all that we do is just use our IRAs like a bank and, and loan it to people that we trust. And it, the thing I want to just add to that too is it, it does so much more to the, for the community. And that's what I really like about lending is that when I lend, I usually lend to people in my area, Houston real estate investors. So that's just where I live. But I'm not just loaning money to them and getting an above average return. I know what they're doing with my money, which is, you know, they're going to buy a, a house that's an eyesore on the market. They're going to put contractors in play. They're, the contractors are going to get local materials at local stores. You know, all these people are going to come together to improve the, the, the look and the feel of this house, which improves the look of the feel of the neighborhood. So there's so much more intrinsic stuff that goes on um, with my investment that is above just the returns that I get. And that's really what I like is the social aspect of the investment, not just, not just the dollar signs. Yeah, it's definitely, it is definitely social. That's, that's one of the things that, that makes it fun. Um, you touched on a couple of things. I'd like to, I'd like to go back. You, you mentioned, and this might be confusing for some because it confused me in the beginning. You, you don't, Quest IRA doesn't sell any investment. Quest IRA doesn't give any investment advice. So kind of walk us through how uh, in a note buying situation, uh, you know, or a private lending situation, what role, how you keep people like me from, you know, you basically kind of like the, the crossing guard at the street when you're going to school, you know? Uh, so kind right, of right. elaborate on that a little bit for us. 
Right. So, um, yeah, like I said, we don't sell investments. We're not licensed to sell you notes. We don't have a list of properties that you come and buy from us. Um, it's, it's a strictly entrepreneurial type, and that's why we call it, quote, self-directed IRA. When you park your money in an IRA here, we don't do anything with it until you tell us this is the investment that I found and this is what I want in my IRA. Now, part of our service is we walk you through the whole process of how to get it funded and owned in the IRA, but we don't pick the investment for you, and we don't tell you whether it's a good one or a bad one. We just take the direction of the client and say, you know, when they say, I found this real estate investor, I want to make this loan to this person, they fill out a form that's our direction of investment form. It just says, I'm loaning to this person at this interest rate, real pretty basic. And then typically what we request from them is just a copy of the promissory note. So, and we don't draft the promissory note. That's something that, you know, an attorney would draft and, you know, either the borrower or lender can figure out who drafts that note. Um, but again, it's the client that goes out and networks and find the, finds these deals. So that's one of the hard things with the self-directed IRAs. You have to find the deal. If you can't find deals, then a self-directed IRA probably isn't the best fit for you. Um, so what we do at Quest in order to, I guess, stimulate that, um, is we hold a lot of the events that you mentioned. We hold uh, weekly classes on Tuesdays in Houston. We hold weekly classes in Wednesdays in Dallas. We hold a, a monthly mixer in Austin. We hold, outside of that, we do boot camps. We do uh, just, you know, normal wine and cheese mixers. We bring in guest speakers. And part of that is because we want to provide enough education uh, to our clients that they make good investment decisions because we can't tell them we can't give them investment advice, but if they come around the classes and meet other local investors, they probably can meet somebody, some people that can give them good investment advice. But then it also allows us to pack a room full of people, investors or newbies and experienced people to just network with one another. Because I, I, as the executive vice president, couldn't put per, a person with an investment together with a person with money, even though I know them both, because that would look like I'm selling investments. But we can do an event and put 200 people in a room and let them network with each other to help stimulate that. So the fascinating thing about our events and classes is that when you come into a room, half of the people might be Quest clients and the other half might be just people that have investments. Because our Quest clients need investors just like investors need the capital of our Quest clients. And that's where a lot of deals happen. Again, we can put people in a room. We just can't put people uh, together one-on-one. -on -one, and it seems to work pretty well. Yeah, I'd say it works. It works well. You know, the, the process is pretty easy, like you explained. And what I like is you look over the documents and make sure that, every you know, we're protected as the investor, that if anything were to happen, you know, there is a, a foreclosure clause. This is the property address. This is the legal description. The terms are that, you know, everything is kind of there. So having, like a, having another set of eyes and just, I'm going to throw in my two cents. Uh, always have, always have, the lender should always have their attorney draft the documents for the lender, but the borrower pays the fees and anything, and all fees along yeah. the way. So, uh, yeah, but, but I want to talk about, uh, you know, in these events and when you're, you're teaching people about, uh, the investments and keeping them safe, I, I like, uh, I think it's a, you guys have like a list of 10 rules or 10 points. And the, the one I like the most is where I like to start is never invest in a property that you wouldn't want to own yourself. So I've spoken to this, uh, previously on different episodes, but I always like to start with the worst case scenario, full, full of pessimism, I'm going to have to take this property back. Is this a property that I would mind owning or trying to get rid of again, selling it back? So that is uh, number one. And the other thing I like is that you guys uh, always insist or suggest, I shouldn't say insist, but you highly, highly, highly recommend and suggest 
if you're loaning to an entity like an LLC or a corporation to get a personal guarantee to keep the borrower's skin in the game in that transaction. And I think those are two, those are my two favorite pieces of uh, information that you guys uh, espouse. But uh, uh, what are some of the other things you guys like to teach? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, I really like, uh, well, I'll touch on the first one, just to add to that, because that's really, it, it comes down to that first is, is don't loan on something you wouldn't be excited to own. Because at the end of the day, if, if your loan is secured by that property or whatever that item is, worst case scenario is you're going to have to take that back in foreclosure or take that back if the borrower defaults. So usually people, they know what to do with a single family residence. If you loan to somebody and it's a house, three bedroom, two bath, most people know what to do with that if they have to take that back in foreclosure. Either put it on the market, try to sell it, and that's a good way to get your 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 money back. But I have seen some pitfalls when people try to, you know, maybe loan on commercial property, but they don't understand what to do with commercial property in the event of foreclosure. And even if the deal looks really good, you want to think about that. Worst case scenario, do I know what to do with this asset if it becomes mine? Um, so that, that, that's a good one. Um, other things that I like is pay attention to how you would structure the note. Um, meaning when you negotiate the terms of the note, you and the borrower are free to set whatever terms that you want. There's no real restriction. Um, and as a lender, you're really the underwriter. You, you, you tell the borrower what you're requesting of them. And again, the terms are negotiated during that process. So I always just say, if you want to oversimplify it, just think like a bank. If you're going to use your IRA like a bank, think like a bank. Banks charge monthly interest. Well, the reason why banks charge monthly interest is because that's a good way to, to gauge whether or not the borrower is in trouble or is in default. I've seen notes where the, the interest in principal isn't due until the very end of the note, which might be five years from now. Well, you got to think about that how do you call that loan a, a defaulted loan if there's no payments being requested in, in, until five years? It's just things that you want to consider before you get into the deal and get stuck into something that, that you probably don't want to get stuck in. Um, and then I also, I think one of the biggest things is don't loan on to somebody you would feel uncomfortable foreclosing on. That's one of the big ones that I see people kind of just shun and, and, and let it go in one ear and out the other. Because there are certain people that your IRA cannot make a loan to. And those would be considered disqualified people. Like you can't make, have your IRA make a loan to yourself. That, that's self-dealing. You can't loan to your wife. You can't loan to your parents, grandparents, kids, and grandkids. There's specific family members that you are not allowed to make loans to from your IRA. But there's other family that, that are allowed to, to receive a loan from your IRA, which might be a brother or a sister or an aunt or an uncle, cousin, niece, nephew boyfriend, girlfriend even. But at the end of the day, you got to remember, if that loan goes into default, if your brother or sister or boyfriend or girlfriend doesn't pay your IRA, is it going to be comfortable foreclosing on them? Is, is Thanksgiving dinner going to be a little awkward when you just foreclosed on your brother and he's staring at you from the other side of the table? You know, those are things you want to consider. And, uh, you know, it sounds kind of funny, but I have seen relationships uh, go down the drain because they put themselves in that position. So I always say, if you're going to use your IRA like a bank, think like a bank, loan to people that you know, that they know too, that you're going to foreclose on them if they don't make a payment. And it's crystal clear because you don't want to lose your IRA or your friendships, you know, you know during that process. I, I Fortunately, I, not me, but I know some people who have lent to siblings and yeah, it, it, it made the phrase, can you please pass the gravy? Very uncomfortable. <laughs> Thanksgiving. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you mentioned uh, prohibited people. 
disqualified people. Are there any other rules uh, that uh, people get hung up on? Or is it pretty, is it pretty straightforward? Like, for example, I know Quincy's uh, favorite term is, you know, what's a little usury amongst friends. Uh, <laughs> right. And, and I'll, I'll let you explain what usury is and, and how that kind of plays. And, and also, but you know, what happens if, if, if there is a right. usurious situation? Okay. So those are really two parts and I'll, I'll, I'll talk about the first part first, which is you kind of touched on the, the disqualified people. Now these are part of the IRA rules and the IRA restrictions. And really just to, if I keep it short, there's three categories of restrictions when it comes to investments in your IRA. One's the investment restrictions, which I said, no life insurance contracts, no collectibles. Two and three are all related to peop, certain people. Two is the people restrictions, which are the certain people that can't do transactions with the IRA. And those are the disqualified people. I can't do a transaction with my own IRA. Reason is because I'm the fiduciary of it. I make the decisions for the IRA. So that would be a conflict of interest if I was making decisions for my IRA to make a loan to me, right? So my decisions for my IRA must only benefit my IRA in the form of an investment. Um, the other people that they disqualify, they do that because that's usually how you pass wealth. If you die, you pass it to your spouse. If you die, you probably pass it to your kids. So they consider all of those family members and spouses uh, fiduciaries of my IRA. So those would be the people I cannot do transactions with. Outside of that, it's pretty open, but there are some gray areas. I don't have time to go over the gray areas right now. Right, but, sure. um, right. So those are the IRA rules. The other things are just the investment considerations you want to make. Um, some of them we kind of talked about, you know, who, who do you loan to? Are you excited to own it if you go into default? Um, but you also want to understand, I would say, things like, um, first, before I talk about usury, but understand the foreclosure process in your state because every process for foreclosure is different. We're lucky in the state of Texas. We have a very easy foreclosure process if we have a loan secured by an investment property. You know, you can, if you're, if you have a defaulted loan and the borrower doesn't pay, you can take that property back in as little as 41 days in the state of Texas. If you go to other states, it might take two years to take that property back. And they might even have, um, you know, uh, periods of time where you have to wait because the borrower can still come back and, and, and catch up the payments after a certain amount of time. So different states will make it easier or harder for you to be a lender. And, and actually, we see a lot of out-of-state uh, clients that like to loan in Texas just because of the foreclosure process being being as easy as it is. So first, I would say understand the foreclosure process, understand that before you get into um, uh, get to, into a loan to begin with. And then there's other things like usury, like you mentioned. And this is this is not something that is an e illegal thing or anything like that. But there are state specific usury uh, rates. Um, what a usury rate is, is it's basically the maximum that a, that a lender can charge a borrower when it comes to interest. And interest would be um, the combination of annual interest and points. So any points up front, you know. So in Texas, usury is 18%, meaning that that's the max I can charge a borrower without it being on, being on avoidable contract. Anything above that, if I charge a borrower 20%, it's not illegal. He can even pay me. And we've seen that actually happen because of the relationship they had, you know, they might agree to that, but you always want to know that they can, the borrower can say, you know what, you charged me above uh, usury. This is a serious loan. Um, and if they get attorneys involved, it might actually cost you more money than that extra percent would have got you. Um, and it's also can be seen as avoidable contract. So I don't think you want anything in your IRA to be a avoidable contract. So, you know, 
ask around. A lot of attorneys will tell you what the usury rate is in certain states. Again, Texas, they make it easy. We have one of the highest usury rates in, in the in the nation. Some usury rates are capped at seven or eight percent in other states. So that's why I, I think lenders just like working in Texas because they, you can make good money and it's you can get your property back fast if the borrower defaults. Those are, those are two things that attracted me to to note or made me feel comfortable investing in notes. Uh, the, the the speed of the uh, foreclosure process and then yeah, I can I can make more than five or six percent if if I choose and if the borrower yeah. is, is is agreeable to that. So, do you see a lot of clients getting up to eighteen percent on their notes or what's kind of the the average? Would you say for I let's, would let's probably on a on a on a flip a fix and flip a very short term okay. maybe six month loan. I would say and again interest rates can be all over the place because it's really the borrower and lender that choose the interest rate. I would say for the vast majority of the notes that we get, the vast majority are between eight and 12% on an annual basis. And it makes sense because if you think about it, a, a, a borrower or a real estate investor can go to a bank and they can get five or 6% or even less, you know, um, but they also have to put skin in the game. So you'll get the best rates at conventional banks, but you also, you know, you got to get your credit involved. You got to, you know, they're going to take 30 to 45 days to close. You get better rates, but there's going to be a longer process there. Or a real estate investor or flipper might go hard money. And coincidentally, hard money is going to charge you right at the usury. They're going to charge you 18%, typically, you know, four points up front or 14% plus 14%. Again, hard money, I'm hard money, I'm not knocking it, it, but it is going to be your most expensive money that you're going to use. And then private money, which is where we're at. Again, private money is just typically one-on-one relationship lending. You could call it cash or you can call it IRA, but it's right smack in the middle at that 8 and 12%. So um, that's the vast majority. I, I do see some different arrangements in the agreement that would allow you to make more than 18%, actually. And this is one of the things that we uh, teach in some of our advanced trainings is um, you can have notes that are kind of a matrix of interest and equity, or you can have notes that are arrangements that are strictly equity for you as, as a, say, say, lender's position. I'll give you an example. Say I have all the money in my IRA, and I know an investor that's going to do all the work. Well, in that relationship, we could structure a deal where I did have a note to him, but there, it was at zero interest. Um, but it, in exchange for him having to pay zero interest, I get 50% of the equity. Now, since I'm part of the risk of the loan or part of the risk of the investment, it's not looked at as charged interest. So if that investment's really good, I can make well above 18%, but it's not charged interest. I'm part of the equity piece, and we call that a, a shared appreciation uh, mortgage or a shared appreciation note. Again, that's just a, a different type of setup um, and arrangement. But when it comes down to just charged interest, the vast majority is 8 and 12%. I would say some, depending on who you're dealing with, some people who are uh, retired, usually they're not looking for home runs or those massive amounts of interest. They just want their money working a little bit and, and they know they're safe and secure, their money's safe and secure. So you might find somebody that's in retirement age that just wants to keep their money earning something and keep up with inflation so that they're not just liquidating their, their retirement. So they may want 4 or 5%. And again, that's, that's perfectly fine. If, as long as they're comfortable with it, they can charge whatever percent that they want. Um, so that's, that's kind of a cool thing. You can kind of dictate what you want. And, and it's different than the stock market. You don't have to check the, uh, the ticker tape every day to see what your stock's worth. You just know I'm getting this payment at this interest rate every month. And if I don't, I get the house. 
Yeah, like you said, it's that mailbox money. You know, first of the month mm-hmm. we'll get the check, and there, there it is. It just keeps coming, keeps coming, and that's you I've always sleep kind of well equated, at night. Yeah, yeah. And I've I've equated yeah. holding notes to, you know, these are uh, houses that pay dividends. You know, and it's it's so it's sort of like a stock in the sense that it is an investment. Yeah, but it this house is going to kick out dividends, and you know, I can choose to you know accumulate that interest. Or if it's in, especially if it's in a Roth and you hit the certain age, you can just take it out and live off of it uh, without paying taxes yeah. on it, which is a, a phenomenal, phenomenal vehicle. And I'm glad you touched on the difference between debt financing and equity financing and that the two can be merged together and you can get very creative on, on some deals uh, or I should, uh, I should back up your IRA can become very creative on, on some deals. Uh, so yeah. And that's, I think that's one thing that new people are kind of, I guess, tripped up on, or I was, I think, in the beginning was, you know, I am a person and my IRA is a separate entity. It's a separate thing altogether. And it's really not mine until I hit retirement age, but I can self-direct it. I can, I can use it and choose what investments go, go into it. And that is, like you said, for someone who's a little more entrepreneurial, it's a, it's a, it's a great, great vehicle. Obviously, that's why I got you guys on the show. So. <laughs> Yeah. And, and yeah, I mean, you, you put, you put it into action too. I mean, you're not just somebody that talks about it. I mean, I've seen, I've seen your, your deals come through and you know, you, you do what you say. I mean, promissory notes, because that's what you're comfortable with. And like you yeah. said in the beginning, like I, I don't knock the stock market. I just know most people, most average Americans don't understand it. And if they understood that there's other options, they would be more probably a guy more like you, or maybe they have some paper asset in the stock market, but they have some alternative assets that are uh, more tangible and give them some other types of income stream because a stock isn't giving you an income stream, but a note is giving you an income stream. And that's, that's very important to some, maybe somebody that's retired that would like to live off that profit and not just liquidate what they have. Well, let me tell, I'll tell you this. Maybe I'll touch a little bit on um, not just the, lender's perspective, but borrower perspective too, you know, if, and, and, and this goes out to, I guess, people that are in Houston, Dallas, Austin, um, on any given day, Quest might, may hold up close to 300 million in undirected cash. So when you're looking for private capital, if you're an investor looking for private capital, our Quest events is a great place to come look for it. Because again, on any given day, we have hundreds of millions sitting there and we don't invest it and we don't tell people what to invest it in. Um, so our clients are need to deploy that money. So it's a great place to look for uh, money. It's a great place to build relationships. Um, and with investors, I see, especially Quest, you know, Quest clients. What I really like to see is is when Quest clients get together, um, and you know, they're guys like maybe yourself or you know, Scott Cars, all sorts of all sorts of people that are investment savvy. They have a retirement account. They want to be passive with it. But maybe they're also a real estate investor at the same time. You know, I've seen three or four or five Quest clients just create their own private bank between each other where, you know, if it's say me and I have my IRA sitting there making 0% and, you know, this guy over here has a, has a good deal, I'll use my IRA to be his lender on, on the real estate investment he's flipping. And, you know, if the guy next to him is also, you know, a real estate investor, well, maybe that guy can loan his IRA or be his IRA be a lender on his deal. And then when I have a deal, you know, maybe I can use one of their IRAs to be my lender, provided nobody's disqualified to one another. That's a great way to get somebody's retirement account pumped up at the same time, put money in the back pocket of an investor and nobody has to go to banks. 
And the cool thing is the money's quick, especially if you have it at Quest. I mean, we can fund uh, investments, you know, in 24, 48 hours, providing that the documents are correct. And that's a great opportunity for A, borrowers to borrow money quick and, and buy property cash and B, for investors like myself or people that have money sitting there to get it out there in the market and, and start making above average returns so it's not sitting making zero. I love that you touched on lending to other investors and yeah, I've seen it, like you said, like you said that you know, uh, you, they can't take, touch the money themselves but they can loan it to their friend who's gonna flip a house or maybe yeah. somebody wants to refinance that rental, pull a little bit of cash out for three or five years. Friends can, can do that. Their IRAs can work with each other all day long as long as they're not disqualified. And it, it's great. It works. And it leaves out the bank, uh, which you know, banks aren't all bad. But my, my favorite joke like when I've taught classes or I've spoken on private lending is I like to ask people, who's the bigger criminal, the guy who robs the bank or the guy who owns it? And usually it's, it's, it leans, the answers lean more towards the guy who owns the bank <laughs> yeah. versus the guy who's actually breaking the law. But, um, yeah. that's, that's well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you this too. I'll tell sorry. I, I didn't mean to cut you off. I'll tell you this. We get a lot of people that, that, that want to, um, I, I say, want to learn about real estate. You know, it seems like everybody wants to, you know, you go to these boot camps and all these things, you get all these people in a room that want to be real estate investors. And, and we speak at all, a lot of them all the time. And when you get a big room full of those people, you know, really only five or 10% actually will become real estate investors. But that doesn't mean the other 95% can't uh, make money in real estate by becoming lenders. And also, if you want some additional education, or maybe I would say even free education, find a good real estate investor with a good track record and use your IRA to make a loan on one of their deals. I guarantee you, you get free education through that process because it's your money that's used to buy the property. And that's a great way to kind of see the, the, the property from beginning to end, see how they put the contractors in place. As a lender, you know, I'll drive by some of the houses that I'm secured by just to make sure that the rehab's going good. But again, if, you're a, if you have skin in the game as the lender, you're, by default, you're going to get free education from that real estate investor and that'll give you a little bit more knowledge to take with you. So it's, it's kind of an intangible. You, may, you get that mailbox money, but you're also getting educated at the same time if you're, if you're working with the right people. Oh, absolutely. And that's uh, very early on. And I still keep it. I do make some loans where I, I, that are a little further outside of the Houston area that I, I don't have to necessarily drive to. But um, early on, I, I would say, okay, look, I'm going to loan at a, you know, a lower interest rate, maybe 7 or 8%. But and so, so that we're not, you know, doing anything that's disqualified or commingling anything. I said, you're going to teach me and hold my hand step by step through this, this rehab process. You know, so you've already yeah. found the house. Tell me how you found the house. Go through the rehab. Go through the sale. Are you using a realtor to get, you know, to dispose of the property? Are you listing it, you know, flat fee listing or, or, or is it, you know, you're keeping it for a rental or, or whatever. And that was, you know, the best seminar and boot camp that I could have done. And my IRA was making money while I was getting my education. And as far as I know, there's no rule against that in the IRS tax code. So, um, no, it's, yeah, it's that's a great yeah. point. It is. Yep. Yep. I, I know. Look, and I, look, we've all seen, uh, HGTV and, you know, fixer upper and, and, and all these shows that, you know, romanticize, uh, real estate investing and it can be fun, but you know, from a more, you know, if you got a nine to five, it's, it's harder to go find the properties and, or if you're going to pay for a wholesaler, you already, you know, your margins already cut, cut down a little thin. So and I say it's not truly passive because there is a little bit of work, especially as you learn the art of lending or how to underwrite. But once you've got your system in place and you've got your kind of compass of what the, 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 your criteria are, 
it's, it's almost like cruise control, not quite. There's still a little bit of activity, but it's, it's fairly passive. And I think it's, unfortunately, a lot of people don't know about it. And it's, yeah. uh, I wish they did. <laughs> I know you do too. Yeah, no. It, well, and, and it kind of brings us back to what we first talked about is that, you know, anybody can, anybody can do this. And truthfully, out of the 15,000 clients we have, I would say less than 2,000 are active real estate investors. I'm talking the guys that are out there doing the marketing, buying the ugly houses, doing the door knocking, the yellow letters, all that stuff. We don't have a lot of those people as clients because that's hard work. I mean, I know how hard that is. I could do it, but I don't think I would have as much fun at it as some other people because I know some really good, you know, flippers, guys that really know how to, you know, gauge how much a rehab is going to cost and all that stuff. There are people that are phenomenal at it. It's not me and it's not a lot of the clients that, that we have. Plus, how much work do you really want? to do. You know, some people just want that mailbox money and not worry about toilets and tenants and property taxes and all, you know, all that kind of stuff that usually the borrower and the real estate investor is worrying about. Um, so again, anybody can do it provided you understand how to safeguard yourself. You know, don't do anything crazy, you know, try to stay away from unsecured notes and there's all sorts of things that can put you at risk. But if you, if you minimize your risk, understand the things you want to consider and ultimately find somebody that's trustworthy that understands the market. I think it's a great way to have your retirement safe and secure and make above average returns and know what you're, know what you're doing. And, and it frees up your time. You don't have to deal with it. You just, you know, check up on the, on the, on the, you know, rehab every once in a while, if it's a rehab, but you just don't have to do a whole lot of work on it and you can enjoy your time. And sometimes you might even make more money than that, than the borrower. You know, it just depends. So if you do it <laughs> yeah. right, again, I, I, I think everybody should make money, but lenders actually make a lot of money. I, I would say for the time they spend, they make a whole lot more money than what the, uh, the borrower doing the rehab actually does. I, you know, I make no, uh, I don't hide it. I'm a horrible landlord and I don't have any rental property. <laughs> I'm done with it. I'm, I prefer to be the lender. Uh, and you know, it's not like I'm this huge accredited investor throwing around millions. You know, I just took some old 401ks and combined them and started making, you know, I've made loans as small as $5,000 to acquire property for a, a, an investor and, you know, up to, um, you know, six figures, um, combining and, you know, combining IRAs, my wife's and everything else just to, uh, and you know, those, um, you know, those were a little more work, not from the mechanics of the loan, but from just knowing I had a, I put a lot of eggs in one basket that was, uh, which yeah. I don't recommend, but you know, it, it's been, a very, it's, I mean, fun is the, is too, too small of a word. It's been very enjoyable, very educational. And like you said, the social aspect of it is, is phenomenal. And, and, and these people who that you just spoke of, who are the, you know, the, the pro professional flippers and the professional real estate investors full time and are good people and hold their word. They come to quest events all the time. They come to the education classes, they come to the mixers and you, it only takes a few minutes to figure out who they are. Uh, when you walk in the room and you say, okay, and you start to get the yeah. layout and it's great for whatever city that you're in. And I know you guys are in um, Michigan as well. Uh, and you, you know, it's not just in Texas, you guys are, are branching out. So, uh, you know, anyone that listens, I would highly recommend go to a quest event to learn. Um, and, and that's part to learn about the local market. And, and that's part of the due diligence of your underwriting is, you know, where's, what's the temperature of the local market. And so when that investor, that borrower comes to you, you kind of have an idea of, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really not comfortable doing a flip right now because everything's you know, tanking. It's 2008, 2009. Um, however, if you want to do a rental, you know, that's in my comfort zone. And you learn that by going to the events and networking with people and, you know, your network 
is your net worth. And that is so true. And oh, so true. The Quest events uh, really are uh, phenomenal. And you guys uh, have not let up. You're doing even more events than when I found Quest all those years ago. And uh, I know yeah, it keeps we, you- yeah, we- yeah, we, we do, uh, and I'm not lying, we probably put on, uh, attend and host about 600 events a year now. So, I mean, that is attending local RIAs. You know, those aren't all our events, but a, lot, a large majority are. Uh, other ones are just, you know, events that we speak at, local real estate groups. And that's what I would probably suggest to anybody out there who's, who's a beginner and is wondering, you know, where do I, where do I go find money? Where do I go find deals? Um, you know, you're lucky if you're in Texas because we're all over here. But if you're outside of Texas and there's no Quest office, um, check out your local real estate investor associations, you know, go on meetup. There's always, you know, different real estate groups that are meeting out there um, and meet, meet the local people first. But you also know that uh, Quest Education is nationwide. I mean, you don't have to live in Texas to partake. We have classes that record, are pre-recorded online. All of our classes are in the Education Center. We're now doing online boot camps. We did our first online boot camp. It was a two-day boot camp uh, that was phenomenal. We probably had uh, 1,200 people total in and out of that boot camp and got a lot of good feedback saying that was the best thing that they've ever spent, you know, 150 bucks on or 190 bucks on. And um, again, you can participate in the education from anywhere, uh, but when it comes down to meeting local people, that's something that again, goes back to that self-directed part. You got to be a little bit entrepreneurial enough, go out and network, go out and find where your real estate uh, investors are. Um, and, you know, if you get enough education and you meet enough people, you're going to walk into some good deals. Excellent. Well, we're, we're getting a little close on time, so I'm going to kind of head over to, to wrapping things up. But uh, on a on more of a personal, uh, not so much a quest, but a Nate Hare perspective, what, what are you reading? What book recommendations do you have? Uh, that, you know? Man, I don't read. I'll just be honest. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't only, only, I, only because I'm more, I, I've always just been more hands-on. I'm more visual. I'll, I'll, I actually watch a lot of videos. Um, I, I like to listen to uh, people speak. I, it just, it, uh, I, I learn better that way. I, I'm kind of like a sponge. So, uh, guys that I would really, that I really enjoy listening to, uh, John Heyer, uh, he's, he's an attorney kind of a friend of ours that is a tax attorney who he understands self-directed IRAs as good as anybody, as good as our, you know, president Quincy. Um, Quincy is also somebody that I like to uh, listen to because, um, if you, I mean, I think, you know, Quincy, but he's the, yeah. he's the smartest guy I've ever met almost to a fault. He's got tax code just memorized in his head. So, um, yeah. doesn't make for a good Friday night, but it does make for a good, uh, you know, during the day when I'm trying to learn, <laughs> learn more uh, stuff about the self-directed IRA stuff. And I do know that if, if, if you are a reader, um, there is a book out there specific for Houston people that, um, uh, one of our clients, Brant Phillips, uh, helped write and our, our president's on there. And there's a lot of good local real estate investors on there. Um, and I want to say it's the uh, Houston Real Estate Investors Dream Team. Uh, that's a good book that that Quest is actually a part of. Um, and beyond that, I know Quincy has been writing a book for, for half a decade and we're trying to get him to release that, but it's, you know, we're just so busy. It's kind of, it's kind of been delayed. So, but yeah, I, I like to listen to guys like attorneys, John Heyer, Quincy, Jeff Watson, Scott Carson, um, you know, all those guys really, I take a lot uh, of time to, to listen to and just soak in the information from them. Yeah. Those are great. Those are uh, great guys. And they're, you know, they're, they're out there and, and leading in their, in their respective spaces for sure. Um, and I know you guys do work with Brant and, and, and Scott as, as well. And I, I go to some of uh, Brant's meetups uh, when I can. 
So yeah. how do uh, how do people get in touch with you? Uh, at you and Quest, uh, both personally and uh, on the, the corporate side of things. How you know? What's your uh, website? Social? All that all that fun yeah. contact. So, so um, I, our website is just www.questira.com. Um, go there if you're looking for more education and information about Quest. We got a ton of stuff on there. I highly encourage you to go to the education center, kind of watch some of the videos. Um, and then outside of that, you can always call us. You can call us at one. I'll give you our fund number, which is one eight five five fun IRAs. Sounds weird, but we do make IRAs fun. So it's one eight five five fun F U N I R A S with an S. Um, and that will get you to our uh, our main office. You can talk to an IRA specialist. That's where you can reach me too. Unfortunately, I'm probably not going to get my cell phone number out on on the on the show. But uh, oh come on, <laughs> no, I totally understand. No, but they they can always. I mean, I base I live here basically, so I why do I even need a cell phone? I mean, I'm I'm always at the office, so unless I'm out out speaking, so that's the best way to get a hold of me. I mean, I have a LinkedIn, uh, but these days the marketing team manages that. So if there's something on there that you don't like, tell me, and I'll just. Get, I'll blame them because I probably didn't put it on there. You probably didn't put it on there. Yeah, that's not my post. Okay, no, that's, I didn't post that. Yeah, but you you could always reach me at that eight eight five five number, and and I guarantee you you'll find a lot of useful information on on the website. And 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 the other thing, you don't have to be a, a a customer or a client to go get all that free education. It you guys put it out there for everybody. Yeah, we don't sell we don't sell our education. Uh, the only things we will ever charge for are things like our online boot camp, or we do have a um, an expo coming up in August, um, which is in Dallas. It's going to be our first uh, self direct IRA expo, and, and as far as I know, the first one ever in Texas. So we're probably expecting a thousand people. Those huge events that we're trying to put on, obviously, we have to charge a little bit just to you know break even. Uh, but sure. as far as our yeah, as far as our education, our, our weekly classes. Those are always free. You don't have to be a client to attend. Um, you know, come one, come one, come all, bring your family, bring your friends. I, I guarantee you have a good time. And all, and there's a ton of great stuff of pre-recorded videos, webinars and stuff uh, on the, on the website as well. So you guys are having a, an expo. That, that sounds exciting. It is. It's our very first expo. We've already got, um, you know, dozens of vendors already signed up and these are vendors from all over the country. Um, so it, it, it was weird. Everybody just got really excited all, you know, cause we work with all sorts of affiliates. They were, you know, calling us before we can call them that, to be a part of the expo. So look for that in August. I think you can buy tickets now already. I think we might have even have early bird specials. Don't quote me on that one. I don't want to get uh, slapped by my marketing team, but I do know the tickets are on sale. I think you can still get the, um, uh, the early bird special. And we do have a promo this month if people are interested um, for Valentine's Day. I don't know if you want me to shoot that one out there. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. So if anybody uh, is opening an account this month, um, if you want to open multiple accounts, because I mentioned there's seven types of accounts that you can have that all have tax benefits. So you even mentioned, you know, grouping IRAs together. And that's one of the powerful things is grouping as many tax advantage accounts together of your own to uh, do an investment and make tax-free returns. Uh, this month, because it's Valentine's Day, we have a special, um, if you open an account on the coupon code, right, LoveQuest, um, and you can open as many accounts as you want for the, for one application cost of just a hundred bucks. Normally it's a hundred bucks for per account, but if you put love quest on there, you can open as many as you want for a hundred bucks for you, your uh, spouse and your dependents. So, you know, that if you really think about it, you can have 10 accounts in there that you might need to open for you and your wife and de uh, dependents and we'll just charge you a hundred bucks. Well, and that's uh, for the entire month of February. For the entire month of February. Yep. Love Excellent. quest. Okay, great. Well, Nate, I, uh, 
that's all, I, all the questions I have. I definitely want to have you back on and we can drill down later on as we progress through the, uh, the podcast episodes, but I appreciate you sharing your time with us today and um, wish you all the best. And I know I'll see you at quest probably next week. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, I, I appreciate it. I, I, I'll be on anytime. Just let me know. All right. Thanks, Nate. Take care. No problem. That's going to wrap it up for this episode number seven of the private lender podcast. Be sure to go to questira.com for more information about the self-directed IRA expo in Dallas coming this August, 2018. And don't forget you can open up as many accounts as you would like in the month of February for the price of opening up one. So that's traditional IRAs, Roth IRAs, health savings accounts, Coverdell education accounts. That is a superb deal. So you don't want to miss out on that. Just enter the promo code or coupon code LOVEQUEST at checkout. Well, that's going to do it for today. Thank you for sharing your time with us. And remember, you can lend a lot more than money in this world. And you can make a tremendous difference in someone's life by lending your time, lending your ear, and lending your compassion. Thanks for listening. I'll see you guys in the next episode. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Private Lender Podcast with your host, Keith Baker. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit privatelenderpodcast.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and review, and we'll catch you next time.